Good morning, family. Good morning, everyone that's tuning in on uh, Facebook Live. I hope each of you are uh, doing well on this uh, third Sunday of Advent. Uh, I pray that you are having a, a great week and looking forward to the Christmas holiday season that's upon us. Our uh, passage today is the same uh, one from last week, uh, the same passage that Wes just read, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. And the sermon title is Jesus Redeems Relationships, Part 2. Jesus Redeems Relationships, Part 2. And that is an amen statement, and we should praise God, and we should praise Jesus for the fact that he does redeem relationships, right? Well, let's praise him. Give him a hand clap of praise then if you believe it. All right. Jesus redeems our relationships from the brokenness caused by the fall and our own sin. Both of them are the reason why relationships are hard, messy, filled with drama, filled with bad communication. And and some relationships are are even toxic and and, and abusive. And, 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 the, and the, here's the truth that we all have to accept. The, the fall has fallen on all of our relationships, all of them. Your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with other people. And Jesus Christ is, is the one who brings redemption to the brokenness. He does that. He fixes that. The main point of today is it's is, is a carryover from last week's sermon also. And make note of it. Here's the main point. Jesus redeems relationships so his people can experience healthy community and connection. Jesus redeems relationships so his people can experience healthy community and connection. Notice I said Jesus' people, his people, are people who have saving faith in him, who trust in his life and his death and, and his resurrection for their salvation, people whose sins are, are completely forgiven because Jesus paid the price for them all at Calvary. His people are people who are clothed In his righteousness and not their own filthy self-righteousness. They're clothed in his righteousness and not their own. Those are his people. And for his people, he first redeems their relationship with God the Father. And second, he redeems their relationship with, with self. And thirdly, he redeems their relationships with other people, particularly other Christians. Today's sermon is going to begin addressing how Jesus redeems relationships with other people so his people can experience healthy community and connection. Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, if the preacher is honest, preacher is not really worthy to stand and to bring God's word to God's people if the preacher is honest. The preacher is not part of the Trinity. Not, the preacher is not part of the Godhead. The preacher has a, a, a calling, yes, but the preacher is still a son or daughter in need of grace son and daughter in need to uh, the fountain of Christ, a son and daughter who, who, who needs mercies that are new every morning, a son and daughter who needs the Holy Spirit. And Spirit, this, is not, this cannot be my righteousness. This cannot be what I, what I use to to make me feel good about myself. This cannot be what I use to think I'm close to the Father if I preach good sermons. 
so, Father, each of us have our baggage. Each of us have those things that we run to, 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 to that we say, give me life, make me feel good about myself, uh, give me my righteousness, uh, make me feel this. We're all searching for a feeling. But Lord Spirit, help us to see the truth of who we really are in Christ. We are the beloved. We are the beloved. Beloved son, beloved daughter, all because of what Christ has done for us. So Spirit, move today. Spirit, let let each of us receive what what we need to receive. And, And most of all, I pray that these words will bring glory to my God and King and not glory to myself. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. As days go by, we're, we're going to fill our house with happiness. The moon may cry. We're going to smother the blues with tenderness. When days go by, there, there's room for you, room for me, for gentle hearts and opportunity. As days go by, it's the bigger love of the family. Are you familiar with those lyrics? They're part of the theme song for uh, from one of my favorite childhood shows. As days go by, it's a bigger love of the family. So what's the name of that show? Yes, it's a sitcom, Family Matters. A sitcom, Family Matters. The name of that show communicates a value. And that value is this. Relationships within any family matter. That's an amen statement. Not just in the sitcom, not just in movies. They matter in real life. They even matter to God. You see, the relationships within his family matters to him. Amen. And as a result, these relationships should also matter to his people as well. It's overflow. What matters to God should also matter to his people. So as days go by, we're going to fill this house with happiness. The moon may cry. We're going to smother the blues with tenderness. When when days go by, there's room for you, room for me, for gentle hearts and opportunity as days go by. It's the bigger love of God's family. And as days go by, Jesus can redeem relationships among believers who are members of the same church so they can experience healthy community and connection. But do y'all believe it? I believe the gospel for my salvation. But is the gospel strong enough to redeem relationships right here? Between you and I. Because if it can redeem our relationship with a holy God, then it's good enough to redeem our relationships with one another. Please receive this. Christianity isn't just you and Jesus. Jesus is not your personal builder bear. My Jesus. This is my Jesus. My Jesus only. You go to the builder bear store and build your own Jesus. But this bear, this is my Jesus. It's not just you, your immediate family, and Jesus living on an isolated island from other Christians. That's not Christianity. That's spiritualized individualism. Call it what it is. That is not Christianity. Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross for all your sins, past, present, and future. And through saving faith in him, your relationship with God the Father is redeemed. You now have peace with God the Father. You can now have an intimate relationship with God the Father because of that. And and he also redeems your relationship with yourself. He frees you from your old self in Adam and gives you a new self in him. The old person has gone and the new person has come. And your new self in Jesus is placed in a new community. Your new self in Jesus is placed in a new community. Write that down. It's Jesus' community. His church. In him, all believers on the face of the earth 
are adopted into God's covenant family. Every one of us. The Shorter Catechism says, asks, says adoption is an act of God's free grace, whereby we are received into the number and have all the rights and privileges of sons and daughters of God. In Christ, you're transformed from an orphan into a son and daughter. Jesus does that. You're part of God's chosen ones. You're part of, you're one of his beloved. You're his treasured possession in Jesus. You are adopted into God's diverse covenant family, made up of people from every tribe, language, and nation. Do you know that? That's his family. You have a whole bunch of siblings. Some you know, some you won't ever know until you get the glory. And they come in different shapes and sizes. You're not the only child. And that's part of our problem as Christians in America. We live like we're the only child. You're not the only child here. You're placed in a local church with other believers to do life with them to experience healthy connection and community with them. This happens as Jesus redeems relationships among believers in any local church, even within the village church. Just like he does in your relationship with God, just like he does in your relationship with yourself, Jesus continues to be your God runner in your relationships with other Christians even with Christians who aren't, member, who aren't members of your church. He leads us into healthy connection in community. And so if you're not experiencing healthy connection in community, I wonder what that means. Are you really part of a community? Or are you just show up on Sunday? Families are systems. Have you ever thought about family as a system? Each of us was raised in a family system. Each of us are, are, are currently part of a family system. Your family of origin is a family system for better or worse. According to two Christian counselors, family is a natural social system with properties of its own. One that evolved a set of rules, roles, power structures, forms of communication, and ways of regulation and problem-solving that allows various tasks to be performed efficiently. In one of my counseling books that I read in seminary, it describes two types of family systems. First, a family system can be closed with very tight boundaries. This system has heavy-handedly restrict interaction with or influences on the outside world. The second one is system is, is open and it has loose boundaries. This system has a back and forth flow among members and how it relates to the outside world. So as a Christian, when you become a Christian and when Jesus places you within the local church, that local church becomes your local covenant family. Not a social club. Not a football team. A family. And that local church covenant family has a family system in place, whether they know it or not. Every church has a family system. Even the village church has one. Every church has a set of roles, rules, and power structures, forms of communication, and ways of regulation and problem solving that allows various tasks to be performed efficiently. A church family system can be closed or open. Where do you think this phrase comes from? But we've always done it that way. What do you mean, Pastor? That isn't what the old pastor used to do. That, no, we, we've always done this on Christmas. We've always done this on Easter. What do you mean we're not going to have the church picnic? What, what, what do you mean? What do you mean we're not going to sing these songs anymore? We've always done it this way. That comes from a church family system that might be closed and not open to change. Every church, saints, including the TVC, should ask ourselves whether or not our church family system is healthy. One Christian, another Christian council says, 
healthy families usually enjoy a good balance between open and closed boundaries, distinctive and supportive of its individual members. You're able to grow and adapt to the surrounding culture. The same is true for the church. A, a healthy church family, a healthy church system is the result of Jesus redeeming relationships between believers within a local church. He changes the way we relate to one another. Do you believe that? Remember, he's our guide runner. He guides us into relating to one another out of our new self in him and not out of our old self in Adam. Amen, Pastor. How are you functioning within your local church family? Your local covenant community of believers. New self in Jesus or old self in Adam? How are you functioning? Thank you. Facebook land, how are you functioning? New self or old self? If you say, I don't have to be part of a local church family, then that's old self and Adam. If you say that like you don't need relationships with other Christians, Christians like you and Christians who are different than you, then, then that's old self talk. That's old self behavior. If you church hop, that's old self. If you're just a consumer within your church family, that's old self. If you get mad, and leave without pursuing reconciliation, that's old self and Adam. That's not new self in Christ. In verses 1 through 4, Paul tells the Colossians, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seat at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also be appear with him in glory. The things that are above are the things of God. And do you know what one of the things of God is? That's his people being in a local church family, if possible. Now, we know some Christians who may be in a persecuted country. That's not always possible for them. But that's not the case for Christians in America. It's, it's, it's a thing of God for you to be connected to other believers in community. And if you say you don't need it, if you think it's just you and your family, that's old self and Adam, not new self and Christ. Being in relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ, if possible, is one of the things of God. Seek it. Set your mind upon it. Function within your local church family out of your new self in Jesus, not out of your old self in Adam. Doing life in your local church family out of the old self in Adam causes great harm, suffering, and pain. It does. You, you don't... Please don't please don't look at American culture and think that's a hot mess. Have you looked at the church? <laughs> Corruption happens in the church. Sexual abuse happens in the church. Everything you judge the world for happens right here in God's church in America. The same stuff. Because we function in the old self, not the new self. The same stuff. Think about it. Take it to heart. Imagine what would happen if church members related to one another out of sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness. What type of church would that be if all the members related to each other that way? Picture what would happen if they related to one another out of anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk like profanity and, and dirty jokes and languages. What type of church family would that be? Saints, guests, Jesus, your God runner, he, he, he leads you away from relating to, to one another out of the old self and its practices. He guides us into relating to one another out of the new self. 
What can it look like for brothers and sisters in Christ to relate to one another out of the new standard? How does Jesus want his people to do life together in his new community? Notice I said his new community because it ain't ours. It's his. He's the mayor. He's the president. He's the boss. We the people living there. But he's the one in charge. So what are your thoughts? How does he want us to do life together? I'm sure some of you learned this when you were a kid. Liar, liar. Your pants on fire. Your nose is as long as a telephone wire. It's an old children's rhyme that children would say when someone gets caught in a lie. Liar, liar, your pants on fire. And your nose is as long as a telephone wire. Telling lies, even little white lies, and half-truths are part of the old self. No one wants to be in a relationship or friendship with a lying Pinocchio whose nose is this long. Liar, liar, your pants are on fire. Telling lies, saints, it destroys relationships. It destroys them. Lies create mistrust. It ruins connections. And so, but telling the truth and being honest, it strengthens relationships and friendships. One educator says honesty is the foundation for trust in a relationship. Trust is necessary for a relationship to function and thrive. When you're when you're honest, when you're always honest with someone, it tells them they can trust you in the things you say. It helps them to know that they can believe your promises and commitments. Jesus wants his people to be honest and trustworthy and truthful towards one another and not to lie to one another. Do I need to get the signs? Amen. He desires for us to relate this way within our local church family and towards other believers outside of our church family. Honesty, trustworthiness, and truthfulness is us living out of the new self in Christ. Look at verses 9 and 10. Paul writes, do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. The message Bible says, do not lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-wearing clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. I love the message Bible. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by God with his label on it. Every item in the new way of life is custom made by God to fit you, but it has his label on it. Honesty, trustworthiness, and truthfulness are clothing items in this new wardrobe, just like repentance from Lazarus. And all believers are being dressed by the Holy Spirit with these custom-made clothes. Let him dress you. Ask him to dress you in honesty and, and trustworthiness and, and truthfulness as you do life together with other Christians in your local church family, as you relate to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Ask the Spirit to dress you. You can't dress yourself. The Spirit has to do that. I don't know care how many Bible studies or um, um, quiet times you have. Those things are good. But you don't dress yourself with these things. The Holy Spirit does that. So don't leave here and say, Pastor Alex told me I got work to do. Pastor Alex said you need to get on your knees and cry out to the third person of the Trinity and ask him to dress you. Ask him to put these clothes on you every day. A barrier, a barrier is an obstacle that prevents movement and, and, and access. Like a fence around a person's house 
like a roadblock, like uh, like a gate in a parking garage, or or like chairs blocking entrance into your sibling's room. Barriers keep people apart and things apart. They prevent movement and progress. They hinder and hurt relationships. See, barriers are not boundaries. Boundaries in relationships are good. Barriers are not. Barriers are the walls we put up to keep people at a distance. A gate to lock people out of our life. They're really self-protection. And people create barriers in interpersonal relationships for various reasons. Reasons like mistrust, fear of rejection, some insecurity, fear of intimacy, fear of being hurt again, fear of being abused again, the need for approval, avoiding conflict, and many, many other reasons. Now, some people have been hurt so bad, I can understand why they have barriers because of the pain they experience in past relationships. I understand that. So this is a case-by-case basis. Are you aware of the barriers you bring into your interpersonal relationships? Are you aware of the barriers, relational barriers that you bring into your local church family? We all have them. We all bring them into our relationships. Self-awareness is a beautiful thing. Ask the Holy Spirit to give it to you. And he will. Barriers that we bring into our relationships that's part of the old self and not part of the new self. Jesus wants to set you free from those relational barriers. And for some of you, it's about time you go to counseling to get free. For some of you, you may need to get on some medication to get free. So I, so you don't just, so I'm not, I don't preach this name and claim it gospel because I don't believe in that. I believe God is sovereign over everything. And for some of y'all, you need to go to counseling today to get free from your relational barriers. He wants to free us from these because they hinder relationships. They hinder connection, and they hinder community. There are four types of barriers the Apostle Paul mentions to the Colossians here in chapter 3. These are things that become barriers because of our sin. These are common barriers within any local church family. No church is exempt from this. These are barriers that Christ wants to remove from his new community. Because he wants his people to be one. He wants them to experience healthy connection and community. Do you know that? Do you know that's what Jesus wants for you? Have you ever thought about that? Do you know that? Hey, he saved you, but he still cares for you. And one of the ways he, way he cares for you is he places you in a local community of, of believers. Now, if that community is unhealthy, then you need to leave and find one that is healthy. I'm not saying be a glutton for punishment. Not all churches are not healthy. So it's there. And as as Christians in America, we get to do this without fear of death. We get to do this without fear of losing our life. Like some of our other brothers and sisters, they could be killed when they come together as a covenant family, but not Christians in America. We have the privilege to do that. And I know it's hard with COVID. So that means you may need to get back and get used to being on Zoom for a little while longer. Pick up the telephone and call. Send a text message. Send an email. Be connected. So what are these barriers? Racial barriers, religious barriers, cultural barriers, social barriers. Look at verse 11. There is no Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Greek or Gentile and Jew, those are racial barriers. Circumcised and uncircumcised are religious barriers. Greek, barbarian, Scythian are cultural barriers. Slave and free 
or social barriers. Do y'all see it? These same type of barriers exist today. Might not be the same what they did in the first century, but they still exist. And every local church will struggle with them. Please understand this and embrace it. No local church is immune for these. Why do y'all think racial, religious, and cultural and social can be barriers that hinder community and connection within a local church? The answer is easy, Genesis 3. The fall, our sin. And what do you think racial, religious, and cultural and social represent? They represent the differences and diversity among God's sons and daughters. You don't join this family and become clones of one another. How boring will life be if all of us was engineers? Everything would function well, but there would be no beauty. Thank God for diversity. We come from different backgrounds. We have different life experiences in America, different ethnicities, different social classes, different educational backgrounds, different political views and, and different cultures, different worship styles, different preaching styles. And Jesus brings together, listen to this, Jesus brings together in his new community people who otherwise would not have anything to do with each other. Jesus brings together within his new community people who otherwise would not have anything to do with each other. He does that. He does it. And that's an amen statement. He doesn't want our differences to prevent us from experiencing a healthy connection and community within our local church family. He wants to see unity in our diversity and differences. Do you really want to see the same thing? Members of TVC and members who go to other churches, do you want to see the same thing? Because some of us are okay with the rhetoric, but not really with the reality. When it comes to unity within the church, there's the rhetoric and then there's the reality. Which one do we want? Which one do we really want within the village church and within whatever church you are a member of? Christ wants to use our diversity and our differences in a way that makes us more beautiful. That makes us more beautiful. But do we believe that? Paul says, but Christ is all and in all. That means all believers are equally in union with Christ. You let that sink in. Union with Christ is not based on economic status. Union with Christ is not based on on nationality or ethnicity. It's not based on how many degrees you got or what title is in front of your name or how big your church is. Union with Christ is based on Jesus and his finished work. And everyone that he saves are equally in union with him. In Christ, there's equality and equity among believers. In Jesus, there are no haves and have-nots. In any local church family, there's no discrimination. There's no favoritism. There's no us versus them. There's no casteism. There's no caste system. There's no superiority. Christ is all and is in all. So in Jesus, we don't have to wear barriers in our relationships with one another. In Jesus, we don't have to counsel each other out. In Jesus, we can simply set healthy boundaries and be relationally open to the Christians we go to church with. Are you relationally open to your brothers and sisters in Christ as part of your local church family? You have to ask the Holy Spirit to clothe you in setting healthy boundaries and to be relationally open. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him to to clothe you in those clothing items along with honesty and truthfulness and, and trustworthiness. These are items these are the clothes of the new self in Christ. And, and y'all cannot tear or wear out these clothes. 
That's right, whoever said that. You can't tear or wear them out. These clothes won't ever fade. They won't ever get dirty. And you don't need to buy tired and bleach because the spirit is tired and bleach. And you will never outgrow them. In fact, you will be growing into these clothes for the rest of your life. You will never fill them out. The Spirit grows you in honesty. He grows you in trustworthiness. He grows you in truthfulness. He grows you in setting boundaries and relation, being relationally open. And again, sometimes he, he, it will require you to go to counseling. Again, I'm not saying you just go over in the, in the corner and you just pray. Yeah, you do that. But you also use the means of grace that God has given you as well to get whole, to be healthy. Let the Holy Spirit dress you. Let him make you fresh and clean in the new clothes in your wardrobe. And guess what? There are other items in this wardrobe. We don't, there's so much more clothes in this wardrobe. Look at verse 12. He says, put on then as, as God's chosen one, holy and beloved. That's you. You know what's not there? Filthy sinner. You know what's not there? Dirty, awful, stink. <coughs> I'll choke myself. <coughs> Do you see that there? God's chosen ones, holy, beloved. You know what? Some of y'all, some of y'all practice self-hate in your walk with Christ and shame on you. And you know what? Some of you may need to go to counseling to even get free from that. Because the Father does not hate you. Go to a Bible verse in Scripture where it, where it calls you a filthy, nasty, no good sinner as a Christian. As a beloved son and daughter, you're referred to as saint. You are a saint who struggles with sin, but that's not your identity anymore. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. The Holy Spirit clothes you, clothes your new self with a compassionate heart. Again, these are things that you cannot clothe yourself with. These are things you've got to pray for. A compassionate heart is, is a heart that, that has concerns for other people and what they're going through. And, 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 and in a local church family, it, it looks like each member extending mercy to each other and giving one another the benefit of the doubt. Just having empathy for a brother and sister. It's filling with people when they're hurting. In your church family, the people you go to church with, your brothers and sisters, when was the last time you felt with them in their pain, in their hurting, in their loneliness? Just felt with them. That's a compassionate heart. A lot of Christian counselor says, Suffering in and of itself is not good. It is wrong. It was not intended to exist. Death is not good. Abuse is not good. Violence is not good. Sometimes as Christians, we sound as if we think it is good to say that God works all things to the good of those who work things all good, works together all things for the good of those that love God. When God first created us, he did not create us to suffer. Suffering and death and pain the consequence of the fall, people. That was not intended to be in Genesis 1 and 2. So let us be mindful when we go to people and when they're hurting and you say God is sovereign. That is the truth they do not need to hear when they're suffering. Sometimes you trying to find a silver lining in your pain and other people's pain is not helpful. A compassionate heart doesn't come with all the answers and solutions. A compassionate heart just shows up to be present with their siblings in Christ, even if it means keeping your mouth shut. Because most of the time, listening is the better option than you spitting off Bible verses and theology. 
have a compassionate heart, folks. I watched a sister on YouTube this morning share a testimony. And this is fresh. I just watched it this morning before our service started. She's a member of uh, Christ Central Church, and it's a PCA church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This sister said about Christ Central Church, she said, The church edified me in my crisis, but didn't define me by it. My church edified me in my crisis, but didn't define me by it. You see, Christ Central was kind to this sister and her family. And kindness is another item, clothing item of the new self. The spirit clothes you with kindness. And kindness just means to be generous, to be friendly and considerate, to be helpful to a, a brother or a sister in Christ. And it's to be mindful of the ways that you treat people and how you come off in your language and even with your nonverbals. To be mindful of how you treat people and their views and their experiences. Can we edify one another in our crisis? without defining one another defining one another by it. Can we do that? Again, ask the Spirit to clothe you. Third, the Spirit clothes us in humility. Humility is one of the it's one it's one item that I wish a lot of people had as Christians is humility. To be clothed in it. Because humility is thinking about yourself less. Not thinking less about yourself, but it's thinking about yourself less. Not thinking too highly of yourself. It is to be modest. Not prideful or arrogant. For if the Spirit clothes the new self with meekness, that's to be gentle, to be soft. Filthy clothes us with patience. That's to be steadfast and to have endurance as you do life with your local church family. And when you have and when you have patience, and when we all have patience with one another, you know what that means? We don't give up on one another. Even though some of us are hard to love. Why? Because Jesus does not give up on me when I'm hard to love. So we don't give up on one another. Wearing the clothes of the new self, y'all, it it, it, it helps us deal with the conflicts that we're going to experience within any local church family. This we all y'all know this phrase, all God's people have issues. True. And in any church family, the village church or whatever church you're a member of, at some point, you're going to sin against each other. Just all in a matter of time. At some point, the honeymoon phase is going to wear off. Just like when most of y'all join this church. Oh, I'm, a, I'm coming to church here. It's the first. Y'all got a black pastor, and he dresses nice. <laughs> and now the honeymoon phase is over. It's over. Some of you done got your feelings hurt. And what are you going to do? Eventually, there's going to be gossip and slander. Eventually, there's going to be parking lot conversations in any church. Eventually, you're going to get angry with each other. And when that happens, what are you going to do? You're going to either respond out of the old self or you're going to respond out of the new self of Christ. Which one? Because there would never be a perfect church on this side of glory. Never. It'll become imperfect once you join it. Every church has issues. Every church has blind spots. When you join a church, you've got to say, well, these are the issues I'm willing to put up with. These are the issues I'm willing to put up with. There are two items the Spirit dresses us in to help us here. That is forbearance and forgiveness. Look at verse 13. Bearing with one another. And if one has to complain against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive one another. Forbearance is to bear with one another in our issues and our struggles and our weaknesses and our burdens and our shortcomings. It is to have self-control and restraint in your dealings with one another. Forbearance within God's diverse family, it means we walk alongside of one another in a spirit of mutual brokenness, and we keep short accounts with one another. If I offend you, come to me. Don't go to Richard and Larry. Come to Pastor Alex. I know some of you have done that, and I'm thankful for that. And the same thing should be practiced with one another. Forbearance. 
And forgiveness means we proactively seek reconciliation with each other. And believers should strive to forgive one another because they have been forgiven by God. You have been. And I know forgiveness is not easy. Please know that. I'm not, I know it's hard. And I know one of the stories people like to throw in your faces where Joseph forgave his brothers, but he didn't see those jokers the next day. <laughs> he didn't see them the next day. He didn't see them next week. How, it was a long time before he saw them again. Forgiveness. Some things are easier to forgive than others. Let's be honest about that. And injustice is harder to forgive than a slander. Okay? So the principle that we should have is that we should be on a journey towards forgiveness. And that takes time. Days, weeks, months, even years. So if family matters, if, 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 if your local church family matters to you, then you will bear with one another. Then you will seek forgiveness and to be reconciled with one another. And sometimes when this happens and conflict happens, we need to bring the elders in to help, to be a mediator. Don't come when it's too late. Come in the very beginning. Y'all got my number. You got my email. You got my, uh, you can flock note me. So there's ways to reach out. When there's conflict in the body, you you and your brother and sister can't work it out, call the elders in, and we'll walk with you through it. Many kids, like they like to do arts and crafts. I know my daughter does. She's not paying attention, but I see her. Arts and crafts, it gives them a chance to be creative and to display their giftedness. And there are all sorts of arts and crafts tools like scissors and construction paper, markers, paints, and paint brushes. brushes. And then there's the glue. You see, the glue allows you to bind all those things together. It holds whatever you create together. Glue can put broken things back together again. And when it comes to the, to, to the clothing of the new self, there's a glue that holds them together. And that glue is love. Love. There's love is the glue that unites compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, uh, uh, repentance, forbearance, honesty, trustworthiness, truthfulness, setting boundaries, and being relational open. Love does that. Look at verse 14. And above all things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The new self puts on love. And you have to ask the Spirit to dress you in it. Ask them to help you to love people in word and deed, to speak the truth in in, in love. Because if you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, then you really don't understand how much Jesus loves you. You don't. If you can't love other people, then you really don't understand how great the Father love is for you. Our love is an overflow. We love because he first loved us. And one of our issues is we think we deserve it, but you do not. But Pastor Alice, these people, they, you don't know how hard it is. You don't know the things they do and the things they say, the things they post and type. You don't understand it. These people voted for Biden. These people voted for Trump. I don't know if I can love them. Christians who say that, you forgot what you've been redeemed from. You forgot who you used to be before Christ pulled you out of that pit. You was God's enemy destined for hell. Destined for hell. You were going to burn up. But he said, hmm, I love that enemy. Let me rescue them. And so for you to say you can't love other people 
other Christians because of their views or how they voted, then you operate out of the Old Testament, not the New Testament. Old self, not new self. First Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. I use this quote many times at the TVC. Uh, it's a great word from Christian author C.S. Lewis, and you should be familiar with it. He says, it is easier to be enthusiastic about humanity with a capital H than it is to love individual men and women, especially those who are uninteresting, irritating, depraved, or otherwise unattractive. Loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. What particular Christian in this church do you love? What particular Christian outside of this church do you love? Because saying you love all Christians in general could just be your excuse for loving none of them at all. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I praise you that you don't love general people. You love particular people. And I'm one of those particular people. And I'm grateful. And so my prayer is that you, Spirit, will use these words to change the way we do life within our local church family here at the village and whatever church that the folks tuning in attend, that you would do that work and that we will pray for it. The things, these clothes, again, these are not things that we can dress ourselves with. But Spirit, you have to do it. And so, Spirit, we place ourselves on, on the mercy seat and say, hey, My hands are out. Dress me. Dress me. Dress me with what I need. And so let that be our prayer. Let us have our hands open and asking you to continue to do a great work in us. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.